$167,000. I'll shuttle for one dance with Domino. Can you play any other tune? Something we're making for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster. May I cut in? It's a charming tune. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 32nd episode of Bond Music, Six of the Best. It's our ongoing series discussing the Bond movie soundtracks, spinoffs, all that fun stuff. It's music of Bond time. And this month, we're putting on our very best tuxedos and tuxedo t-shirts and traveling back to October 2022 to join our fellow Bond fans at the Royal Albert Hall in London for the 60th anniversary Sounds of 007 concert. Well, to be honest, we watched the edited Amazon Prime coverage of the concert, but it sort of felt like we were there. I am your host, Jared Albert, the Yard Sale Artist. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and best friend. It is Alan J. Porter. Some know him as Tex. Welcome back, Alan. Thank you, Jared. Yes, I'm afraid I came up with this idea of us actually watching a concert online rather than listening to a CD. We'll see how that goes. So I think it'd be an interesting experiment. I, you know, at first was frightened and confused, and uh, that never changed. All right. <laughs> I just say, yeah, the five years I've known you, I don't really see what difference is any different than normal. It's a normal conversation, isn't it? Uh, so. A little bit. Well, the worst part was like, hey, it's on, it was on private. I'm like, okay. And like, Within days, you were like, it's not on Amazon Prime anymore. Yeah, I will say, um, when I picked this, before I actually said to you, this is what we're going to do, I went on Amazon Prime. I'm like, good, it's still there. And between me picking it and announcing this is what we were going to do at the end of last episode and us recording this one, they took it off Amazon Prime. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Luckily, somebody put it up on YouTube. Yes. Yes, and so, uh, and we'll talk a bit about that as we go forward. Okay, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's how we we did it. I had to ninja style going and find the tracks and all that jazz. But yeah, it was uh, overall it was a cool experience. I think we're gonna have some fun on this episode. Of course, here at Six of the Best, we include a discussion of the overall album, which we don't really have an album this time, more of a show. And for each show, we alternate who's gonna take the lead. Alan has a lead on this one, so basically, out of the special, the quote unquote Amazon special. Alan got his first pick of three tracks. What did you think the three best tracks were? We're going to find out. Then I took three from what was left over, and that's how we do it. All right. Well, normally at this point, we sort of kick off with how did we discover this particular album or whatever that we're talking about. But I think basically I knew it was on because I saw the press release and friends tweeting about it and going to it and stuff. And then Jill and I sat and watched it. And I thought it might be a fun thing to do for the Special one, I mentioned it to you, and you went, what's that? <laughs> yeah, I was like, huh? <laughs> what? You were like, trust me, there's a special out there. I was like, okay. And I think I had heard, you know, like you said, social media, a little chatter about it. But, uh, yeah, no, you told me. And I said, okay, I'm going to go to Amazon and watch it. And I'm going to go to YouTube and watch it. <laughs> we finally put it together. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead or not, but I listened to it while I was doing some art projects. So it was great to have on, 
you know, on the side while I was working uh -huh. and yeah. kind of listen to these new takes. And I, I had on my second screen, so I could kind of glance up and see the performers. And man, it was a uh, it was pretty sweet. Yeah, I must admit it was it was fun. I like to say, Jill and I watched it like the day after I think it came on streaming, just to sit down and rewatch it again. Yeah, it was good to revisit it. And then it was fun to find out more of the expanded stuff that we didn't actually get in the Amazon stuff. We'll talk a bit more about that as we go forward. So really, just as a background, there's not a huge amount of background on this one other than what was officially put out. So I thought what I'd do is sort of go through the couple of press releases that were put out to announce this. So in July 2022, on the 007.com website, I believe was the first mention of this when they put out a press release that said, quote, an unmissable evening of entertainment marking the 60th anniversary is coming soon to the Royal Albert Hall in London. Taking place on Tuesday, October the 4th, the sound of 007 in concert will feature the music of some of the most illustrious names in Bond music history. Further artists and designated charity will be announced in due course. Dame Shirley Bassey will headline the benefit concert and Garbage will take centre stage to perform their tune to 1999's The World Is Not Enough. Rising music stars will also put their spin on some of the franchise's soundtrack songs, including Academy Award-nominated singer-songwriter Celeste. Produced by Eon Productions, The Sound of 007 will be curated by five-time Bond composer David Arnold and will feature the Royal Philharmonic Concert Orchestra. So that all sounded very cool, but also very vague as to what actually was going to be on. And I do know a few folks who were like, booked it as soon as they read this and so forth without actually knowing too much. So, you know, I think Dame Shirley Bassey, and at this point, all we knew that was David Arnold was like curating it, which we assume was like just picking the songs or whatever. Uh, a month after that, we got another press release that said, new additions to the Sound of 007 in concert at the Royal Albert Hall on the 4th of October have been announced, they include Lulu, Chrissy Hind, Becky Hill, Ella Erie, Jamie Cullum, John Grant and Paloma Faith will join the previously announced Dame Shirley Bassey, Garbage and Celeste, accompanied by the Royal Philharmonic Concert Orchestra conducted by Nicholas Dodd. A special guest appearance from Hans Zimmer has also been confirmed following his work on the soundtrack to No Time to Die. The concert, created by Eon Productions and produced by five-time composer David Arnold, interesting that he had gone from curated to produced, marks 60 years since the world premiere of Dr. No on 5th of October 1962. Proceeds from the event will benefit the Nordif Robbins Music Therapy and the Brit Trust, of which the Brit School is a beneficiary. Following the concert, the sound of 007 live from the Royal Albert Hall, an exclusive recording of the live event, will be able to stream globally on Prime Video up until the end of January uh, 2023, apparently. The exclusive recording of the live event will be available to stream globally on Prime Video as part of the James Bond anniversary celebrations. And as we have pointed out, it's that Amazon Prime streaming production that we're reviewing on today's episode. But before we get into it, just a couple more notes. So the press release failed to mention that the performers would be introduced by Judy Dench, which is actually quite a nice surprise when we watched it the first time. Those little pre-recorded segments, which added a nice touch to the evening. And doing the research later to find out what had not been in the Amazon cut, I also found out there was... Appearances by multiple Bond theme lyricist Don Black, who did a nice little presentation about working with his friend, quintessential Bond composer, John Barry. That was nice. And although they were announced, absent on the night were British singer Becky Hill. And I know she previously done a cover of No Time to Die for the BBC, which is available online and is actually a pretty good cover. So I assume that she was lined up to do that again. 
And unfortunately, Chrissy Hind of the Pretenders uh, was also a no-show. So I don't know which of their two songs from The Living Daylights they were lined up to sing, if that's what they were going to do. But she was a no-show as well. No reasons were given for either of the no-shows, unfortunately. The Amazon Prime show focused on the theme songs and runs about 56 minutes. But as we've mentioned on YouTube, there is actually a recording of almost a full concert where I've seen a couple of them where people have taken footage from audience members' phones and mixed it in with the Amazon Prime show to try and rebuild the actual full concert, which ran about an hour and 46 minutes. So you can see there was actually quite a bit cut out. So what I've tried to do is I've not actually found an official full running order online. I've done various searches, but I've not actually found an official full running order. So this is what I've managed to pull together based on what's included in the Amazon Prime edit, what I've seen in the fan edits that have been put together as to what the actual running order was. If anybody knows different or knows if there's an official running order online, I would love to find out. And you can let us know at OHMS pod handle on Twitter. But I believe this is the, the full running order. Uh, it kicked off with Diamonds Are Forever and then Goldfinger from Shirley Bassey, which is on the Amazon cap. Uh, the OHMS, OHMSS theme. I think I'd know how to pronounce say that since it's my favorite <laughs> music cue. From Russia with Love by Jamie Cullum on Amazon. Then Capture in Space from You Only Live Twice, followed by Lulu singing The Man with the Golden Gun. That's in the Amazon cup. The Boat Chase from Live and Let Die, followed by Skyfall, sung by Emma Linders, which again is on the Amazon cup. The That's What Keeps You Alone cue from GoldenEye, a little bit of Eric Serra slipping in there. Then Celeste's performance of You Only Live Twice, which is on Amazon. Come in, 007, Your Time Is Up from The World Is Not Enough. License to Kill from Ellie Erie. I hope I'm pronouncing that right anyway. And The World Is Not Enough by Garbage, both are on the Amazon one. Followed by a, a fun medley from Hans Zimmer and David Arnold, uh, which was sort of a No Time to Die medley. I think bits of that uh, are on Amazon. And I think there was like a short speech from Hans Zimmer, which isn't on the Amazon cut. Then into Live and Let Die from Skin, which is on Amazon. The Spectre End titles. Then into David Arnold singing You Know My Name, again, on the Amazon cut, which went into A Night of the Opera from Quantum of Solace, followed by Goldeneye by Paloma Faith, again, on the Amazon streamer. Then a, an instrumental medley of uh, music from Thunderball, which was really cool. And then Ellie Erie doing Nobody Does It Better. She was the only return vocalist, and this was the only song performance not used in the Amazon edit for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe because it was clearly a last-minute substitution because there was no pre-recorded Judy Dench in the intro for it. David Arnold sort of came on and introduced her. Or whether they felt that nobody but Shirley Bassey gets two songs on the show. I don't know. But... Hard to say. <laughs> yeah. But again, there is, it is actually on Amazon if you want to go look for Ellie Erie's performance. Nobody does it better because it's actually a really good one. Then we got Bond 77 from The Spy Who Loved Me. And then there's sort of the Amazon stream really concluded with We Have All the Time in the World from John Grant. But the show actually concluded after that with the James Bond theme with David Arnold, which he came back on at the Encore and redid it in the Encore slightly faster. And I actually think the Encore version is amazing. So that's, as far as I could work out, was the lineup on the night. Like I say, if you were there or if you got it written down or if you know there's a formal different running order, would love to know that. So that's actually quite an impressive lineup of songs and music cues too. But as I said, we're just going to focus on the Amazon Prime 
streaming show, which was just around the song. So how do we pick just three from this lineup? So let's find out. All right, so I'm going to kick things off. Um, what better way to kick things off than with the uh, the wonderful lady who kicked off the, the show? I'm going to go with Shirley Bassey's performance of Diamonds Are Forever. I mean, considering she's 85 years old, she came on and she absolutely nailed it and set the tone. I think it was unfortunate that sort of everybody else had to follow her, really. In retrospect, I don't know whether they should have opened with her or closed with her, but <laughs> um, you know, maybe closing it would have been too late in the evening for her, I don't know. One of the things I did notice is she seemed to have her own conductor because he came on and did her stuff and then left and then the orchestra conductor came on. So, But whatever, she did an amazing job, got a stunning ovation, well-deserved it. So we're going to open our show with Shirley Bassey opening the show with Diamonds Are Forever. So what do you think of that, Jared? 
I mean, what's not to love? It's Shirley Bassey at 85 years old, <laughs> still showing that she's got it. So much fun, lots of energy. You know, the crowd clearly loved it. You could hear how excited they were as uh, she came to the mic at the beginning. And, you know, she just never disappoints. She never disappoints. I mean, it's not even my favorite Shirley Bassey song. I, I prefer Goldfinger. But, I mean, we've reached that point where, I mean, like I said, she's 85. So any time you get to see her perform another Bond song is like a gift. So, yeah. and it was really well done. So it was a wonderful gift. It was a great gift, and it was a great way to open the show. I know I said earlier about everything else sort of having to follow her, but it was a brilliant way to open the show, I think. And she's still got the range. That's the most amazing thing. You hear a lot of younger singers who can't get up there, don't have that sort of range. To be able to sort of fill a volume like the Royal Albert Hall as well, just awesome. All right, moving on to number two. This was a bit of a backwards and forwards for me as to which one it was going to be, because actually when I first wrote my list, I put down... Skin's performance of Live and Let Die. Don't worry, Alan. I was there to pick up the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but then I crossed it off and I went for Goldeneye by Paloma Faith. I will be completely honest. I had no idea Paloma was a singer. I know her as the sympathetic villain in the Pennyworth TV show, which I think she's great in. So that was a bit of a surprise for me. And I think she adds a, a sultry strength to this that sort of evokes Tina Turner without trying to copy her. I, I, read a few reviews and people were like, oh, she's just doing like a Tina Turner impersonation. I, I thought it sort of evoked it without it being an impersonation. I think she missed a little bit of the notes at the end, talking of hitting the high notes. I think she missed a little at the end, but I really, really like this interpretation of Goldeneye. And I must admit, I've gone out and got a couple of her albums on my Spotify list recently and listened to them. And I've heard a few people say that she's a potential, her name's been banded around as a potential Bond-themed vocalist for the future. And having listened to a couple of her albums, I can see why there's a definite Bondian undertone to her music. So let's listen to Goldeneye from uh, Paloma Faith. Thank you. 
interesting you know because that's the first time i've listened to it without seeing the visual and i hear more of the tina turner impersonation without actually seeing <laughs> listening to it just as a vocal still love it but i can see more now why a few folks have said it's more of the closer to a tina turner impersonation i think she's still invoking the spirit but uh, i can see why they say that uh, interesting i sort of heard that more just listening to it rather than actually watching a performer what are your thoughts jared i still think she has a very very unique voice and a very unique sound. And I have to give a tip of the cap because trying to do what could possibly be the best Bond theme of all time by one of the best performers of all time, that is daunting. My metaphor is, we're both old enough to remember Mike Tyson in his prime, just what a dangerous man. He's still a dangerous man right now, but just <laughs> a completely dangerous man. It's like any of those fighters that got in the ring with Mike Tyson. God bless you for just getting in there and swinging and try. She got in there and she went at full speed. She went at full speed at a song that is, is going to be like eternally out of reach. And she came pretty close and it was fun. And like you said, watching the performance, she was into it. I think she's got a really unique sound. So I'm not, none of what I've said is to poo poo her. It is to build her up. She stepped into the ring and she did a pretty good job. And I think about it, doing it in front of that audience too, who know those songs so intimately yes yeah. <laughs> the bond fandom i probably talk about this as we go on a bit but i think props to any and all of the folks who got up there and sang whether i liked their interpretations or not to actually get up 
to do it in the Royal Albert Hall for one and in front of that audience, that knowledgeable, enthusiastic audience who know these songs so intimately, I think just takes a lot of intestinal fortitude, should we put it that way? A lot of guts. Talking to people who know the Bond music well leads me to my third pick. And it's perhaps the man who knows Bond music better than most these days. The curator, stroke producer, stroke organizer of the show, the man who was involved in everything, and who was often on stage performing in a lot of the songs as well, helping out, the one and only Mr. David Arnold, who came on and did a performance, if you know my name, with a very moving intro as to why he was doing it. Who knew that the best Bond composer of recent years was actually turned out to be one of the best Bond vocalists too. He did an absolutely stunning, for me, an absolutely stunning performance of You Know My Name. And even though I picked it at number three, I will actually say it was probably my biggest surprise and standout of the show. David Arnold's performance of the Chris Cornell theme from Casino Royale. Um, I'll just say a few words before uh, we do this song. Um, On May the 18th, uh, 2017, uh, we lost one of the legends of uh, rock music, Mr. Chris Cornell. Sometimes in this business, the best you can hope for is you remain friends with the people that you work with. Chris became a very close friend, uh, and his loss shocked us all uh, a huge huge amount. Um, We wrote the song together for Casino Royale, and I always thought I'd never want to hear anyone else sing it, Um, but I didn't want to exclude it from tonight. So in memory of our dear friend Chris, I hope he'll forgive me. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sing you know my name. Thank you. Thank you. 
So, Joan, how, what do you think about uh, Mr. Mr. Arnold's uh, pipes, his singing voice? What a surprise. I mean, who knew the guy had it like that, right? He's a really good singer. And then, like we talked about, you know, with Paloma Faith, getting up there in front of that crowd with that song, with its legacy. Whew. <laughs> I don't think anybody else could have done it. I don't think anybody else could have done it. And Clearly, he doesn't want anybody else doing it. I don't for... think he does. No. He had the chops for it. And I, that was the surprising part. Like, we know he's a great composer. Like, who knew dude could sing? And he, he sang the heck out of it. I've heard little snippets of him singing, like, demos of stuff. But to get up there and sing in front of I, was, I mean, I've been there. You know, luckily, I've been at the Albert Hall and seen him play in front of that sort of audience when we went to the Casino Royale Orchestra thing a few years ago. Uh, and, and he played at the, at the end of that. So he's clearly okay being on stage and playing and stuff, but to, to sing and sing something with that much meaning, I think has a completely different level to it. So again, completely blown away by it, surprised by it. For me, the highlight, I think, of the evening was Mr. Arnold. I 100% agree. When I was listening to it as I was working, I heard that, I was like, this is on my list. But fractions of a second later, I was like, it's not. It's on Alan's list. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way he left this behind. So, uh, no. Yeah. I wasn't going to leave it behind, but talking of your list, I guess this is a good point to, to segue to see what is actually on your list. Yes, let's do that. Well, starting off with my three picks of what you left behind for me. Luckily, there was plenty of good music, so it wasn't any... Uh, great difficulty to find something that was left behind i will start with, well you know what let's bring david arnold back on stage one more time it was actually announced as hans zimmer doing no time to die and it's kind of no time to die in name only as this is really just an excuse for hans and david to show that they can do amazing guitar work especially as a duo and it's pretty much the james bond theme that's Hans on the electric guitar and David on the Spanish guitar. And it's so bondy and it's so much fun. And let's give it a listen.
Alan, if you didn't love that, you're off the show. <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention that. No, actually, I did love it. And I think it's a great reason that this was the only music track that they put into the streaming show, the only non-song. Actually, just to watch the two of them on stage, they were clearly having a, a ball between the two of them, even when Hans Zimmer's lead fell out and David Arnold sort of, they were joking about that and him trying to get it back in the guitar and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> I missed it. I missed it. <laughs> you didn't see that? Okay. Well, remember, uh, I was listening to it while I was working, I so I must have uh, missed that. Okay. Yeah, there's a bit in it where he suddenly realizes he's playing and he's actually not plugged in. And the lead's lying on the floor of the stage and stuff. And David <laughs> Arnold sort of pointing at it. But yeah, they, they clearly had a great time working together on this and, and putting it together in a great jam session. I just lo- love listening to good musicians just play with each other if you'll pardon the expression, on stage. Just having a good jam session, I think, in front of an audience is very cool. So, Yeah, there's definitely an inherent value to seeing two composers, Zimmer and Arnold, do like, can you imagine watching like John Barry just riffing with George Martin or, you know, it's just like something really cool to see. And they were just smiles on their faces. And it just sounded so good. And the orchestra was so fully involved. It was a lot of fun. It was, yeah. And again, you know, not two guys who'd worked together before either. It's not like they'd worked together in one of the Bond movies. They're just both clearly, I mean, if we know it from interviews and stuff, they're both, we know David Arnold's deep into the Bond lore, but also Hans Zimmer is, if you listen to a lot of the early No Time to Die interviews and stuff. So just two Bond fans who are great musicians just riffing on the Bond theme. What more can you want? Oh, nothing. It was great. It was great. Well, let's go into my second pick. And I promised Alan I would pick up this ball for him. And it is Live and Let Die by Skin. And Alan, I know I'm an oddball in the Bond, especially Bond music fandom, because Live and Let Die is not one of my favorite songs. I mean, I like it. I know you love it. I see you give me the look. Yeah, I was going to say, that could be the end of a lifetime of friendship that's lasted five years. <laughs> I like it. There's not a single one of them I don't like. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> I like them all to some extent. Anyways, I like it just fine. But it's just not one of my top tiers. But I greatly reward performers who put their all into a performance. We kind of talked about that with Paloma Faith. And I got to tell you, skin brought energy. She fed off the orchestra. The orchestra fed off of her. But skin, man, absolute chills when she hits those strong belts on Live and Let Die. I'll play it for you guys. You tell me what you think. You were young and your heart was an open book. You used to say, live and let live. This ever-changing world you left to live in Makes you give in and cry
I am with you 100%. The first, when she hit that first live and let die, and it's like, okay, she's leading way into this and she's going for it. It was great. As you said, the orchestra went with it. What doesn't come over on the vocal with her was also during the instrumental breaks when she's not singing, she was moving around the stage like she was into this 200%. I mean, she really was. Like I said, this was going to be my second pick, but Paloma Faith just kicked it out slightly. No real reason. I was sort of hoping that Jared would pick this one up because I think it deserves the equal spotlight. Yeah. Again, for me, one of the absolute highlights of the show. And another one where after listening to this, I actually went and looked, got, downloaded a couple of her albums on my Spotify playlist because I was like, she's good. I need to find out more about her and listen to more of her music. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I'd never heard of her until I watched this. And I was like, man, she's got energy. And I could definitely see that. Alan. I could definitely see she's bringing that energy to her other music. Then whew, watch out. okay let's get into the sixth and final pick on this one this one's a little bit more well it's a lot more low key and and not as high energy as skin but it has a very unique and a very bold sound it is celeste singing you only live twice and she brings a new vibe to this classic bond tune it's very smooth and excellent work by the orchestra with her just unique sound and that orchestra just makes for really what i would call a beautiful track so We'll end the official six on a relaxing and what I consider a beautiful track.
Okay, cards on the table. This did not work for me at all. It's because um, you didn't like her weird glasses. Her weird glasses <laughs> with the arrow. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> they were very distracting, I will say. No, it did not work for me. It did not work for Jill. Neither of us particularly liked it. But I'm going to say this. I will give her props for, as we said, getting up there in front of this audience doing covers of these songs and then to do a completely different arrangement and put your own spin on it, I think, took... A lot of nerve. Uh, so props to her for doing that. Props to her for having a go. And it seems to be a like it or loathe it song from what I've read. People either really like it or they really don't like it. I fall in the latter camp. You clearly fall in the former, which is fine. You're wrong, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, like I said, not for me. Didn't work for me. But I give her props for actually trying to do something different that clearly did resonate with a lot of people. So. Thumbs up to her for doing that. Well said. Well said. In fact, we've mentioned this about a couple of the singers who got up on the stage tonight, and I'm going to use this opportunity to read one of my very favorite quotes, Alan. It's a little bit lengthy, so bear with me. But I would like to point this out. I will read the quote now. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spins himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end of the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat theodore roosevelt man the arena i love it it encapsulates what we're talking about these people stepped into the arena to a very let's say judgmental fan base we bond fans can be <laughs> judgmental and they gave their all so kudos to each and every one if you didn't make our, our six of the best list i enjoyed it from top to bottom thoroughly and just to stand up there in front of those people in the world knowing this is going on amazon prime and to take these things that we cherish and to put yourself in it hats off to every performer that we saw every single one i i agree totally uh, and you'll hear this a bit later on but just to explain because one of my things was why are these people who i've never really heard of you know it's like it was in the uk you know where was tom jones where was paul mccartney where was adele where was you know you could reel off the list of you know why weren't these people there. So as it said up front on the second press release, this was actually done for a charity. Um, was one of the reasons it was put together. One of the reasons they got it off the ground was because it was for charity. One of the charities that it mentions is a thing called, and I'm going to get it right, the Brit Trust and the Brit School. So the Brit School, it turns out, is a school in London for the performing arts, a bit like the Fame Academy in New York, the TV show was about. And a lot of the, the young singers that you, and the people that you saw on stage were actually graduates of the Brit School. So this was actually an opportunity to spotlight the work that the Brit School does and show 
give some airtime to a lot of these new younger singers who are coming up who are graduates of the school. So once I knew that, I was like, that actually makes a lot of sense as to why they had this lineup and why had these singers were chosen to sing these songs. And as you said, step into the ring. So just a bit of background on that. And you'll, you'll hear a bit more about that in one of the things that we got coming up. Oh, that is super cool, by the way. I really dig that. Yeah. What a, what a great opportunity. Exactly. So to give those graduates, I know some of them have gone on and are singers and actors and recording artists in their own right, but whatever, just to give them that opportunity, I think was awesome. And for them to step up and take it. And like we said with Celeste, put their own spin on it when they got the opportunity to do so, I thought was, was very cool. The glasses very were weird, though. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get past the glasses. Sorry, Celeste. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give you props for trying, but I, I won't give you props for those glasses. <laughs> they, they seemed uh, non-functional. <laughs> Cumbersome. Anyway, back to you, Alan. We have things to do. All right, so normally at this point in the show, we would rate the CD or the album as to how much this should be in a Bond fan's library, rating it between one and seven. But this is a bit different because it doesn't actually exist as an album. And currently it's, well, I was going to say currently, it's only available on streaming, but currently it's not even available there. It's out of the ether, as it were. Let's rate it on, is this something a Bond fan should watch wherever they manage to find it? So what do you think, Jared? One to seven, is this something that you should watch if you're a Bond fan? I think if you are a Bond fan, I think it would probably land right at a six. If you are a Bond music fan, it is a seven. You need to see David Arnold's You Know My Name. You need to see David Arnold and Hans Zimmer just having a ton of fun and see some of the showcased not as big name talent that we talked about that gets an opportunity to show a little bit. So seven, if you're into the music six, if you're just a bond fan, I think that's fair. And I think I would agree with you on that. Yes. I think it's definitely, I, I was thinking a six, but uh, based on what you actually just said, yeah, I think it's a, you know, six, if you're a casual bond fan, but if you're into the music, definitely a seven, there are some absolute highlights moments there and some interesting stuff with some of the new artists coming along as well. Some of the ones that we actually didn't talk about also had very good performances. So I think it's definitely worth looking looking at from that perspective of actually seeing how a, a new generation is approaching these Bond classics. As a side note, it was very, very, very difficult for me to not put License to Kill on my three. <laughs> you know how much I love <laughs> I was, it. I was amazed that you didn't. And, and yeah. she was so good at it, but I just, I, I wanted to showcase the Celeste for, for stepping out and trying yeah, a, a different sound, which didn't work for everybody. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just want to showcase something that was slightly more different with that. But yeah, that license to kill one. And I'm personally, you know, you know how much I love the Living Daylight soundtrack. I'm saddened that Chrissy Hine didn't make it. Yeah, I think everybody was sad that she didn't make it. But uh, and yet, yes, the license to kill Ali Aries uh, license to kill was very good as well. All right. I actually want to do a slight sidetrack here. So one of my other geek media obsessions is the works of Jerry Anderson. If you're into Thunderbirds, the old puppet shows, Space 1999, UFO, all that sort of good stuff. So in April 2022, Jerry Anderson Productions did a very similar concert in the UK to celebrate the memory of Jerry Anderson and his work and the 60th anniversary of some of his shows. So it was a very similar thing. But what they did was they uh, released an edited version of the concert on CD and on the music streaming platforms like Amazon uh, and Spotify. 
And they actually also released the full concert on DVD and Blu-ray. And I have it on CD and I have the DVD on the way. And it's a great way to listen to it because I couldn't be there. Now, I know it didn't go out sort of straight away on video streaming like Amazon or whatever. But it made me think, why couldn't Amazon or Neon do something similar? I'd love to have the actual full almost two-hour concert on Blu-ray. That would and, definitely be cool. And I'd love to have the actual concert, even if it's just the Amazon, just the vocal tracks on my Spotify account or my Amazon Music account, or even better yet, on vinyl. Um, I would love to have something like that. So it just made me wonder why Amazon and Neon don't do something similar. Apparently, I'm not the only one thinking that way because after the concert, David Arnold posted this on Twitter. For those asking, it's up to Amazon what they choose to include in their programming, but I'm very grateful they worked so hard to get these concert highlights streamable. I'll see if there are any plans to make some excluded material available in the future. That tweet was back in October and not heard anything since, so I'm guessing we don't know. Now, it may be that now it's actually off the Amazon Prime. Hopefully, this is just speculation on my part, but now it's actually off their main Prime platform. I do wonder if they might look at getting it available on some other media release at some point in the future. But anyway, it would be really nice if there was actually some proper formal record of the full concert that we as Bond fans could could own. I would be in on that. I, I need a cassette tape. <laughs> C90 or C60. Oh, no, I'd need a C120, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> For the younger folks, you may have to sort of Google that, see what we're talking about. Okay, I hinted a couple of times earlier that we may have, have a bit more to talk about with this show. So as we mentioned up front, we didn't actually get to go to the concert. We just watched the Amazon Prime and we watched the extra bits that were available on YouTube that a few folks put together. But while we were thinking about this, I thought, I know people who were there at the show. In fact, one of my friends was right there on the Amazon Prime video we spotted him in the audience and it was like whoa why don't i reach out to him and see what it was actually like to be there and i put out a call and got a couple of folks who said that they would like to talk about it so we picked a couple one being my friend who i spotted in the audience aj chowdhury and also uh, john moss reached out on social media and said he'd been there and he'd like to chat about it so the two gentlemen very kindly uh, recorded some short interviews for us of what it was actually like to be at the concert so thanks to actor john moss first up let's hear from john and his experience of being at the actual show so first off thank you john for joining us on the secret podcast thank you very much you're welcome you're welcome just to kick things off you're lucky enough to be there at the show um what was the the actual atmosphere like in the royal albert hall that night oh my goodness it was uh i would say electric is not taking you too far very excited People were dressed in their Sunday best tuxes and black ties. And of course, I had on my Moonraker black shirt and my Diamonds Are Forever pink tie. So it was celebratory and uh, a lot of anticipation because they knew what was going to be kicking off with Shirley Bassey and what was going to be included in terms of music as opposed to the songs. What attracted you to sort of attending? Why did you decide to go? What we what we wanted to do, we were we we wanted to take a trip to London, and uh, I wanted to see um, cue the music. Warren Ringham's band, yeah, yeah. yes. And ironically enough, he's the first person I met when I went into the Albert Hall, so that was wonderful. <laughs> and uh, but we couldn't go, so we went to another. And I said, "Wait a minute, this week is available to us. It's it's James Bond week. It's the anniversary." 
So, oh my goodness. So let's jump on and see what we can get. And we got tickets to the BFI events and uh, and to the Albert Hall concert just Very in time. Nice. Very nice. I mean, whereabouts were you in the Albert Hall? I was to the, uh, I guess it's called audience left. And I'm not sure exactly what that section would be facing into the into the hall. And you're looking to your left to see the stage. I mean, it looks from the video like it was packed. Oh my goodness, it was packed. It yeah. was packed. You turned around and there were people all around you. It was uh, it was exciting. Just before we started recording, we were, we were talking about the Amazon cut. So you actually watched the Amazon edit? I did. I did. Was there something that wasn't included that you think should have been? I thought um, nobody does it better they didn't do. Of course, you missed you miss the music. And Don Black's inclusion would have been lovely. But other than that, they covered, pretty in terms of songs, they covered everything pretty well. From what I've seen of the, the video of... Nobody does it better. That was uh, a last minute. Um, I see. Well, I mean, just in terms of that, uh, Chrissy Hind was supposed to be there, and she I don't know why she didn't make it, but I think she would have uh, really brought down the house. I'm a big Pretenders fan, so yes, I said yeah, that is a shame yeah. that she didn't do that. W was that a bit of a disappointment? Uh, there was her and one other no-show. Was that a bit of a disappointment? It was. It was, because I, I thought she might do both of her songs from right. Living Daylights. So that was that was a bit of a uh, a downer. I don't know if you know, uh, it was uh, merely by the exclusion. Bill Conti uh, music was not included. I don't know. If, do you know if there was any issue with that? No, I don't. No, actually, I hadn't noticed that. But you're right, thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I think that audience would have loved driving the country. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There wasn't anything from Pure Eyes Only, was there? there? Was not, I know Sheena Easton was in the documentary film. So it was interesting. That, I mean, if you think about it, it was in the UK. You've got Sheena Easton's there, Tom Jones is there, Adele's there, Paul McCartney. My goodness, yes, yes. I mean, none of these none of these people turned up. They're, they're, right, right. I don't even know if they were invited or not. I but, know. I was kind of hoping that KD Lang would be there to sing Surrender. But uh, so, how did you think the uh, the various cover artists treated the the songs? Do you think they they did them justice? I think for the most part, they really did them justice. There were a couple a uh, couple disappointments. Celeste doing You Only Live Twice was kind of uh it, it didn't quite the, the I think the um the arrangement was, was a little I was gonna say it was certainly different. Sorry, I it was certainly it was it was certainly it was certainly different. I don't know if it was the key change, but um the performance of um License to Kill and uh Skyfall, all the time in the world, I think they all did a wonderful job. So was there any particular artist on the night that surprised you? Surprised me. Well, of course, Shirley kicked it. Uh, <laughs> uh, surprise in terms of being wonderful? Yeah. I thought uh, Ella Eyre doing License to Kill was wonderful. And she and, she uh, came back on and did the Nobody Does She it did. Better. She did, yeah. yes. Emma Lindars did uh, Skyfall, and she was terrific. I, I must admit, the one that caught me was Paloma, because I actually know her more as an actress from a couple of TV shows. I didn't actually know she was right, a singer. Right. So. Yes, and she, <laughs> yes it, she was really full on. Did you have a particular favorite performance, but was the one that stood out to you? I think probably. You always have to say, other than Shirley. Yeah, other than Shirley, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say uh, Ella Eyre. Yeah? Yeah, she did very well. Um, I did. have no idea why they didn't put a second song on, unless they decided, other than Shirley Bassey, nobody else got two songs. Right, right. Yeah. So was there any particular moment, you mentioned like meeting Warren as you walked in, was there any particular moment on stage or even off stage that oh my, oh my in goodness. your mind? 
Well, I mean, it was, it was lovely to see David Arnold and he was so gracious and he's such a, uh, say so he's such a lover of this music and appreciator of this music. And uh, Don Black, of course, I think he began the second portion and we had seen him at the BFI and he was, he was, he was just so, so uh, sharing of his love for uh, John Barry. And you really got a sense of what it was like to that collaborative process, even though they're not in the same room, he could get the music and just take it from there. And he was, he was, he was effusive and he was uh, very, uh, very vulnerable, shall I say. Uh-huh. Very cool. Yeah, I saw a short clip of the, his speech on, on uh, one of the video compilations that people have put together. And uh, it seemed a very heartfelt four minute uh, tribute to John. Oh, my Barry, goodness. Yes. Not included in the Amazon one, but uh, David Arnold's encore of the Bond theme seemed brilliant. <laughs> he was. It was. It really was. A good way to, to to wind out the evening, I think. Exactly, because exactly, I, I don't. They didn't. They didn't have an encore ready, so they just did that quicker. Very cool. And also, also the Hans Zimmer. The, the Hans. I forget. I don't think the Hans Zimmer um, introductory um, speech made it, but uh, that duet was terrific. Terrific with. Uh, oh, with, with him the, and David Arnold together. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Though I did notice on the thing that it looked like his lead came out at one point. And it, it, did, like, it did. It did. It <laughs> did. And everybody's like, oh, 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 is he going to get that? Is he going to get that? Yes, he did. Back in right at the right moment. Bondian timing. Uh, and they didn't do No Time to Die either, did they? The song. You know something? They didn't, but they did They did. Do, they did do the music. They did They did the, uh, the, they did a uh, score compilation. Well, I must admit, I'm insanely jealous that you, uh, that you made it there. <laughs> <laughs> How far back does your Bond fanship go? Just to, uh, Oh, my goodness. It goes back to when I was seven years old. Doctor No, I oh, saw okay. that ad in the paper. I don't know what was so attractive about that uh, poster, but I, to a kid's mind, that was neat. Uh-huh. I have to go see that movie, and my parents were going, "Well, I don't know. Your aunt Sally doesn't think it's quite the movie for you." <laughs> we went, we went to the Jersey Shore, and it was playing, and she said, "We're going to go see Doctor No tonight." Don't tell Aunt Sally. And uh, oh, it made such an impression, such an impression. Of course, we had to go back and back and back to see it. What was funny. When I eventually saw from Russia with Love, the 007 theme before that uh-huh. had been uh, co-opted by our local in Philadelphia Eyewitness News. So the 007 theme was introduced to me. It was the it was the news theme. Oh, really? Yeah. And the latter part of it was the end theme. So I knew that from the Eyewitness News in Philadelphia. That's funny. I wonder if they actually got permission to do that. I looked it up to make sure I was wasn't thinking. And, you know, exactly. That was that's exactly what happened. And thank you for your time, John. It was great. Alex, well, uh, thank you so much. I love your podcasts. Thank you very much, John. All right. You have thank a good you. rest of the day. You All too. Right. Take care. All right. Thank you, John. Let's sort of round things out with AJ Chowdhury, who is the co-author of Some Kind of Hero which I think is the, uh, the definitive history of James Bond films. And if you don't have a copy, go out and buy one now. And thanks to uh, him also for taking his time to share his thoughts and impressions of the event. Welcome, AJ, to the Honor Majesty Secret Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me about the sound of 007. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Alan. It's an honor to be on here. And um, yeah, I, I love talking about all things Bond, especially the sound of 007, which I think is a sound close to all our hearts. 
So really, we just wanted to talk to you about the actual concert at the Albert Hall. So what was your impressions of, of the actual event in the Albert Hall? What was the atmosphere like? Cast our minds back to the 4th of October, 2022. So the day before Global Bond Day, 5th of October, 2022, which would have marked uh, 60 years since the release of Dr. No at the London Palladium, 5th of October, 1962. So this was a great event. It was sort of like a cap of the year celebration of 60 years of Bond, which was sort of celebrated mainly through sort of branded events and launched goods. Although that previous weekend, the 30th of September to the 2nd of October, You'd had at the BFI a Bond season and Bond talks and Bond films in London. And then on the 4th of October, you had this, the sound of 007 concert. I think on the 1st of October, you'd had the film, Mac Brightcross's film, the documentary presented at BFI, which then went on to Amazon. The atmosphere was heady. It was just a year before that we'd all unlocked down and all gathered in London for the premiere of No Time to Die and How Time Flies. And it felt like this was the first sort of AGM of a Bond world and people came from all around the world, from the, the usual suspects from the United States and uh, a lot of our common friends, Alan, um, from France, from Germany, from Sweden, uh, with love uh, from Brazil. It was great. And it was that you realize Bond, while it keeps the British end up, is also a celebration all around the world. And the sound of 007 concert was very much that. It was very much almost like a quasi premiere. A concert like this had been in the planning for many, many years. I understood they were kind to do one for 50 years of Bond, you know, an Albert Hall concert with the, as many of the original artists as possible. But if one knows anything about music events, it's very hard to stage. You have all sorts of diaries and schedules, billing order. Um, this was for charity. It, that was key to it, to gathering everyone there. So they had announced some singers, Shirley Bassey, right. Dame Shirley Bassey, of course, Lulu. That announced that announced that uh, I think Shirley Manson garbage would be playing. Others were left to the imagination, and I'm pretty sure they had a lot of new artists uh, which were coming up. And as it emerged, this was an event celebrating the British Brit School, which sort of helps artists. It's like the equivalent of the Fame School in America. To sort of help uh, people getting into the arts, music, film, TV, dance. And the, the Bond team and Barbara Broccoli is very keen on supporting the next generation with various training and mentorship schemes in the movie industry and the art. And Michael Wilson with photography as well. There was a lot of layers behind the, the organisation behind this event. Very interesting. I did not know about the school connection, which sort of probably explains the number of young British singers who were on the precisely yeah. those were directly from or, or associated with the brit school yeah there was a few faces there i was not familiar with um i was going to one of the questions i asked was what it actually uh, attracted you to attend the event but i guess pretty much from the moment that you heard about this you knew you were going to be there yeah well it's ironic that just to scroll back just to put our minds back last year there was a lot of bond related activity in one way or another yeah. we kind of forget about it when a film is there we kind of look back but I'd been to the Edinburgh Festival where there was a Bond music concert there. There, um, In fact, a month after this, Warren Ringham's Cue the Music did their final show, and that was a wonderful event. And to some extent, this was the, the, the official Bond copyright holders sort of version of, of signing off on 60 years of Bond. So this was the end. This was the, the finale of all of that. And yeah, and London 
is the center of bond we've met a few times alan here and you, you yeah. know, when there's a bond event there the whole world congregates in depending if you clap your hands or you rattle your jewelry we either <laughs> congregate in pubs or dukes and um we have martinis or you know um guinnesses and you know we celebrate together and that's the fun thing and people from all around the world come it's really really fun and interesting to celebrate this international phenomenon that is James Bond. And in a way, this concert was the version of that. Um, it While it was at the Royal Albert Hall, it wasn't necessarily a black tie event. I only go dress black tie when it says black tie, but people took the spirit and dressed casually and wonderfully and terrifically, and it was great fun. And that was it was great to be part of the melange of people. The Albert Hall didn't have the usual sort of decorations outside, but... There was an Aston Martin. There was a nice 007 outside. There were vehicles and um, the atmosphere was already good. And a number of us had arranged to meet at the nearby hotel, the Kensington Gore Hotel, which is a short walk from the Albert Hall. And um, so that was where the party really began. Oh, you're making me even more jealous now that I wasn't there for it. Well, we can't, everyone can't do everything. I, I, no. I certainly can't do everything. But I think these days, I mean, just to go back to that, the televised Amazon concert, people did moan and groan, oh, it just edited it out and things like that. But I thought there have been many Bond concerts there, and it's the only one televised to date. So to some extent, we're lucky we even got that. But we'll come to that later on. Well, actually, that was going to be my next question was about the Amazon cut. What was your sort of overall impressions of it? Or did you think there was stuff that wasn't included that you think should have been? Well, you're sort of asking the wrong person because I'm sort of involved in the music and TV. So I know what would have been on that show, what they're going to go for or not go for. As a diehard Bond fan, I'd want everything and then some. Mm -hmm. I'd want the rehearsals there. I'd want everything. And most Bond fans would. Mike, Mike Cross, who had presented the Sound of 007 documentary, the music documentary, the previous Saturday, had been asked, well, you didn't cover this, you didn't cover that. And he said, well, I can't cover everything. You know, it's only it's only a 90-minute documentary. And Alan, you and I are huge Beatles fans. At the top of last year, they had the Eight Hours Get Back TV show, told from 50, 60 hours? 60 hours, the, yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you and I are the only few people who go, well, where, when are we getting the other 52 hours? So Bond is a bit like the Beatles. If you're a big fan, any amount is not enough. And it, it's a kind of commercial consideration. So I have one brain as being a fan, one brain knowing what they're going to do. Because when I saw the concert, I knew they were not going to broadcast some of the instrumental tracks. They were not going to broadcast the wonderful renditions of Eric Serra's score, David Arnold's uh, A Night at the Opera from Quantum of Solace. None of that was going to make the cut. I knew that. Would I love to like it to have been? Yes, it was wonderful. But then again, I can't remember back, days back to the three John Barry concerts that had been there. None of those were filmed or televised the bond event the centenary ian fleming event at the london palladium which had a cornucopia of bond stars and actors never gathered before or since that wasn't filmed so the idea that this was filmed and we got some of it for me is far better than nothing and kudos to amazon for even broadcasting it that's actually a very valid point and maybe this is just this you know a first toe in the water for amazon to sort of examine the, the larger bond world i guess and the sort of reaction it gets yeah i mean <clears throat> i think things like when you stage bond music as warren ring will cue the music will attest you know we will watch it we will pay our money to go but not many other people will and unfortunately 
the Bond fans are one hair on the tail of the dog that is the Bond animal. You know, it's yeah. the general public, it's general music fans. As an event, I think it was wonderful to attend. I'm, I'm thrilled. We're yeah. lucky to have gone and to spread the word and to cherish it and hopefully pave the way for more. Back to the concert itself. Was there any sort of disappointments for you, any sort of low points within the concert? Okay, I'm a glass half full person. The uh, Firstly, the atmosphere of everyone gathering together. And the Albert Hall, if no one's been there, it's like one of our oldest, London's oldest sort of concert venues. It's akin to sort of Madison Square Gardens. This is not a huge arena-shaped place. It's not 12,000 people. I think it's about five, four to 5,000 people. It's a wonderful circular building. It has a wonderful atmosphere to it, a be- beautiful, I mean, by definition, it's a Victorian age arena. And concerts are really good there. Secondly, where we and my friends were seated, firstly, half of James Bond fandom was in that hall. You, you turned the corner, you, you, you nodded someone. But more, even more importantly, you would bump into a lot of Bond film crew alumni were there. You know, you had the writers, the directors, you had Barbara Broccoli, Michael Wilson there. In fact, coming to the venue, I saw Cub One in a side street rolling up with the Rolls Royce from Goldfinger's Rolls Royce, which had been taken from the Bond in Motion Museum. They were coming up and actually stopped in the street to stop Cub One and wave to Barbara Broccoli. She must have thought I was a crazy person. But that's the world we were living in. You, you turned a corner and there was Robert Wade and Neil Purvis were there. There was all sorts of Bond alumni there, the crew members, and it was great. And um, so, th- so it was almost like a mini Bond convention. So that's before anything happened. Right. Before the lights went down, there was there was merch, there was, you know, this Bond brochure and all that stuff, and your friends, and we're excited. And I guess unlike a Bond film, where tastes may vary, here we kind of knew what we were getting. It was going to be good, whatever was going to happen. And just to go into that, they opened big. They opened with Dame Shirley Bassey coming in and singing Goldfinger and Diamonds Are Forever. The minute she walked in, that venue, that place was electric. There was an immediate standing of I've got goosebumps just thinking about it. And that doesn't happen often in Bond world in real life. And this James Shirley Bassey singing a John Barry, Don Black, James Bond song, or Auntie Newley, Leslie Bricker's James Bond song. It is something that you're not going to get very often or again. And it set that whole place alight. And it was febrile. It was amazing. And perhaps the concert didn't ever recover from that. I don't know if the documentary covers it or captures it, but that atmosphere, you were floating on air for the next two hours after that. Now, when you talk about disappointments, I think when, so bearing in mind, a lot of those names are unknown even to British people. Right. And it emerged as it came about that this was a chance to showcase some of the Brit school talent, new talent, new mm. voices yep. to enhance, to get those people going on. And um, you, you, you got these wonderful voices, but unfortunately for them to step in the shoes of Adele, to step in the shoes of these bigger, greater names is a tough gig to do. And I think anyone covering on songs has that challenge. Some of them, like Celeste, who's, a, who's a, I think a graduate from the Brit School, chose to do things her own way and chose to find a different path, which sometimes is more challenging. And so some of them were just doing their best, but they could never really, it would be, it's like, George Lazenby taking over from Sean Connery. It's good. It's good. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's, you know, it's un- slightly unfair. 
I was actually going to ask you whether you felt that the uh, the cover artist did the material justice. The cover artist, I think, did the material justice. I think, firstly, the, the Philharmonic Orchestra was amazing. Of course, behind the scenes, and the guy that had put this together, the cubby broccoli of the event, so to speak, was the wonderful David Arnold, a really underrated composer for Bond and also beyond Bond. He's really, really good. A great songwriter, I think. Plus, he gets the spirit. Plus, he he's a fan like us. He knows exactly what he's doing. So when he plays Eric Serra's We Share the Same Passions from Goldeneye or conducts that, he knows he's giving... uh, Firstly, that's a wonderful cue. I'm a big Eric Serra fan. Sorry, people. But when you hear the Royal Philharmonic, John burying that piece, it's really good. And then, of course, David Arnold's own Night at the Opera from Quantum of Solace has given this wonderful treatment there, none of which, I'm afraid, made it to the, the Amazon broadcast, I don't think. And then you've got this wonderful connection because you've got Don Black who comes on stage and gives a nice eulogy about John Barry. You've got David Arnold who took over from John Barry. Then you've got Hans Zimmer mm-hmm. who coming on and they play the James Bond theme with that wonderful Duesenberg guitar, which they auctioned off for charity. You've got Nicholas Dodd orchestrating, conducting. You've got multiple generations of Bond musicality there who were in at the outset. And that, that for me, as a Bond fan, was wonderful. So so, th- so they were really, really good. And that, that added a lot of texture and atmosphere. So that gets lost. And then there were some amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you had um, Paloma Faith knocking it out in the ballpark. I think her version was amazing. And so you did have some cover artists that really did well. But Lulu was amazing. Garbage were amazing, the original lineup. They, they really captured the essence. I thought I've always liked the man with the golden gun, funnily enough. And Lulu singing live again, it, it poor, poor Lulu, she couldn't quite sort of overcome the, the Shirley Bassiness of the event, but she held her own, god damn it. And I think she kind of says that about her own bond song because she's very self deprecating. But I think it's amazing. She really knocked it out of the ballpark. I was actually going to ask you was there any sort of one particular artist that sort of stood out to you that surprised you? Skin, skin, yeah. yeah, was amazing, and uh, I think um, th- th- I think that she was really, really good, and I thought Paloma Faith was really, really good. Good, yeah, I was quite surprised by Paloma because I've sort of seen her in TV shows, didn't really think of her as a singer, so that sort of threw me when she came on, and it's like she's an actress, well, but uh, she, she, she's she's actually been touted as a Bond as perfect Bond song type Bond title song material. Her yeah. albums are very Bondy, and she's done some really good work, and I think that they 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 were good. I thought Jamie Cullum's from Russia with Love again. I, I like Jamie Cullum. I thought that was an understated highlight. I thought they all did a creditable job. These musical events where an orchestra plays James Bond themes or James Bond cues or James Bond songs are actually rare. So anytime you get to anyone gets to see one around, will support it, go there, do it because to hear live James, to hear live film music is rare. We need to support these things. If you're a film music fan or a Bond music fan, go and support it. As a sort of final question, is there like any one particular moment on stage or off stage that sort of encapsulates that night for you? Well, I'd say the Bonhomie and the, the crowd were great. The, the, the Just bumping into Robert Wade and Neil Purvis was fun. Um, seeing Cub One draw up with with Barbara Broccoli and the Goldfinger Rolls Royce, that was a lovely moment there. But really, I, I hate to be unoriginal, but Dame Shirley Bassey electrifying that that hall, that space, with all these all-time classic songs. Um, I can still feel the charge of it. But the good feeling, as you said, David Arnold playing the Bond theme as an encore at the end, with that crowd, that moment 
was beautiful. And at the end, there's all that glitter coming down from the ceiling, and it really felt like a like a like a party. Like you're proud to be a Bond fan. That for that event and that weekend, I think London was wonderful. And but you and I celebrated in LA at the Peterson Museum, the Inflammation Foundation 30th. I think throughout the year, various people got their various chances to celebrate, and you felt proud to be a Bond fan. Apart of all of this carry on and you know what james bond will return and i can only think that when bond 20 city on bond 26 comes out what 2025 26 we'll we'll kind of reset and we'll have all this again so i live in future for the hope but in a way this kind of cauterized that section of bond because whatever they're doing next is going to sort of naturally move on but yeah i think that's a great note to to finish on thank you thank you aj thanks for your time and uh, thank you alan All right. Thanks again to John and AJ for providing that insight. That was very cool. And that will bring us to the end of this episode of Six of the Best. If you've got a question or comment, you can email us at ohmspod at outlook.com or comment on Twitter at ohmspod. And don't forget to subscribe to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And we'd love it if you left a rating or a review. And if you'd like to chat with us personally on social media, I can be found at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Alan. And you can find me for Bond stuff on Twitter at Bond Lexicon or on Instagram or Tumblr at James Bond Lexicon. And of course, the jamesbondlexicon.online website, which is a companion to the James Bond Lexicon book. And I'm also just going to sidetrack slightly and plug my new weekly newsletter for all my writing stuff, which is alanjporter.substack.com, where you can subscribe for free and get a weekly update of all the projects I've got going in delivered straight to your email inbox. Sounds good to me. Does it include your personal photographs? <laughs> Sorry, Jared. No, I know it. I'm so handsome on the on the video oh, feed. Well, I know, but I'm not interested. If, it doesn't, if I'm not getting the photos, I'm not interested. <laughs> All right. So thanks for joining us for this episode. And again, thanks to John and AJ for joining us and sharing their thoughts on the show. We hope you enjoyed it. So this episode's extract tracks were from the Sounds of 007 concert. Hopefully you'll get a chance to see that wherever you can can find it. But as always, we'd like to remind you to legally purchase your Bond music via official download channels or via CD, vinyl or streaming or wherever you get it from. Please support the Bond creative community. And we will be back with six of the best, and we will return with Jared's next pick, which is the Cinema Soundstage Orchestra presents James Bond 007 film themes. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.
You're not wearing your tuxedo t-shirt. I'm not. I'm not. I was having a very lazy Sunday. <laughs> um. <laughs> Including Academy Award nominated singer songwriter Celeste. That's not easy to say. Hopefully you got it on the second day. <laughs> I think you got it. Okay.